Welcome to Q&A, a deeper dive with Sam Holm and other guests as we dig deeper into the sermon content each week. Well, we're super glad you joined us again. I'm Mark Presley, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Samuel Holm. Yo. And uh, Sam preached this past week on Mark 8, 27 through 38. It was the uh, Peter uh, having a conversation with Jesus, and basically Jesus saying, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. A lot more to that than that conversation, but that was kind of where we were at. Uh, Want to remind you, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, be sure to like, join, subscribe. If you can, rate, review us. Let us know how we can make this better. If you have a question for us, it could be about Multiply um, and that project. We'll talk a little bit about that in this episode, as well as digging deeper digging deeper into the sermon. So it could be about a sermon, some other thought you want Sam to address, dig deep on. Yeah. Or even uh, something we didn't address in the sermon, but you saw in the text, and you're like, hey, wh- what? What? Yeah. The easiest way to do that, uh, besides just catch us in the hallways, if you're here local in the church, uh, is to text the word question to 96123. You'll get a prompt, follow that prompt, and it'll allow you to get a question to me, uh, a couple other people, and we'll we'll uh, put that into this podcast and get asking those things. But we have several questions today to go through, uh, kind of on your sermon, and then get into a little bit of multiply. But before I do, why don't you recap what you talked about this last Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, Super Bowl Sunday. So it was, it's a big turning point in all of the gospel narratives. And we, we see Jesus through his miracles showing the world who he is. And then he asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they list off some say prophet, John the Baptist, whatever. And who do you, who do you say that I am? One of the questions related to that we'll get to in a second. And he says, Peter says, Mark source, you are the Christ, Son of the living God. And then in response to that, right, Jesus says, well, that means I'm going to need to go and die and rise again. And Peter pulls him aside and is like, no, like you're the Messiah. The Messiah is supposed to be the conquering king, and Jesus will in his second coming, right, will reign forever. First coming, he was going to be the suffering servant. And Peter didn't understand that. And so Jesus corrects him says, hey, you've got your mindset on the things of man, not on the things of God. And then he turns to the crowds and his disciples and says, Who, whoever wants to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And so we talked about that. Like Jesus saying uh, the, the, the big point on Sunday, following Jesus often involves temporary pain, but always leads to eternal gain. And so Jesus talks to his disciples, like if you're going to lose your life right here on earth to gain something eternally, there, there's a profit for you there. But it's not going to profit you if you like gain the world and you give up eternity. And so he wants something for his disciples, and that that is a self-denying, a laying down of your life to follow him that he calls them to. So following Jesus often involves temporary pain. It always leads to eternal gain, and Jesus wanted that for his disciples. Yes, so if you missed that, he just said it. His key point right there was following Jesus often involves temporary pain, but it always leads to eternal gain. Now, speaking of gain, speaking of Super Bowl, I'm going to take a break from the questions for just a minute, little get to know if we had some music right here, get to know Sam. What is your favorite Super Bowl snack, Super Bowl 
And I know you're fasting right now, so you couldn't yeah, couldn't have it this time. But what is your favorite? So chips and guac is my go-to. Like, yeah, I'm I'm a big chips and guac fan. And we had actually two different Super Bowl parties because we were with our life group, which oh, always Mr. makes us popular right there. It's amazing how popular I am. No, that's not the case. It's actually the opposite. It was the same Super Bowl game. No, just two parties. Maybe I should say it this way. I was actually not invited to any Super Bowl party. We had a life group that meets every Sunday night that watched the Super Bowl during our life group. And then we went home and our neighbors saw that we were coming home. He's like, well, we've got people over. Why don't you come over? And so, uh, yeah, but both places had chips and guac. And I, I was like, uh. but fast Often there are feast days, and so my wife talked me into that being a feast day for us, and so I partook in some. I can't do much of it right now. And do you have your own guac recipe, or is that does someone else make it for you? So the way we make guac now, we used to buy the little mixes. The way we make guac now is we get guacamole and then Tony's Sashari's, and we put just little Tony's in it. How do you say Sashari's? Sashari's is how I say it. Sashari's. I can't say that word. Yes. And it is so good, so good. Just a little Tony's in the in the avocado, smush it up, and then yeah. Queso? Where does that rank? That's lower on my list, but it is high on my daughter's list. So we on occasion will have queso. Okay. Anyways, there was your little get to know Sam better moment. And yours? I would be guac. Top guac. of the list. Really? Guac without Dude. without a. Practically perfect in every way. Y'all didn't see this, but we just gave each other a fist bump right there. That's I would say guac a hundred percent. Nice. And the chips matter. The chips matter. Absolutely, they matter. On the border chips are actually my favorite chips. Very, the, the I'm a big, big old, fan. I was a waiter at On the Border back in the day, way back in the day. Nice. Yeah. Anyways, okay. Castle on to the thing. So we were talking about. I think I heard you say in your sermon, uh, it's when Peter walks up to Jesus and Jesus looks at him and says, "Who do you say that I am?" And you said that might be the most, and I might not phrase it correctly, correctly. But you said that might be the most important question we might be asked. Yeah. So why? Why? Yeah, why? Great question. Softball toss right here. Why? Yeah. So the, the question, again, I'll read it. Why is the, the question, who do you say that I am, so important? Uh, here's why. Uh, Jesus, again, the gospel, uh, there is a real king and a real kingdom. The real king's name is Jesus. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And uh, you have to, at one point in your life, reckon with and come to deal with who you believe Jesus is. You can say he's a good teacher. You can say he might be a lunatic. He's, I mean, there was an historic figure whose name was Jesus that changed the world. We date our calendars off of his life, for crying out loud, right? So who do you say he is? And really, the I believe the, the only entertainable answer as you look at history, even outside of our scripture, is that this man changed the world, this man was publicly crucified, he rose again, and his followers saw him as God and were ready to die for that. And so, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And and how has that changed for you over time? That answer then, that question, that statement, how has that changed over time? Right. Uh, anyone who says they're a Christian at one point in their life, they may have heard about Jesus as, you know, whatever, but they're, they're, uh, growing up, I grew up in a Christian family. I'll say for me, uh, Jesus moved from being Abraham Lincoln 
to my Savior when I understood for the first time my real need for saving. Okay, you got to explain that. Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, and I, I grew up hearing about Jesus. I always saw, thought he was a real historic figure and that he helped people. Lived in a log he, cabin. Yeah, uh, just like Jesus freeds, I mean, Abraham Lincoln freed slaves. Like Jesus, I mean, he came, he did good things. Like I always saw him kind of as this historic figure. But it wasn't until I realized my sin and my need, and I remember having a conversation with my parents uh, about a lie that I had, had shared the day prior, uh, where they helped me understand, now you're going to really understand why Jesus came. And that, that day, Jesus moved from being Abraham Lincoln to the Messiah, my, my Savior, my personal Savior and Lord, and changed everything for me. And, and this is kind of my question, but as we have been studying through Mark— and we're in this part, he's kind of taking that turn, I think you said, as he's starting to look towards the, the cross, cross yep. and, and go there. And even today, we were studying your sermon that you're going to preach in two or three weeks. I know Justin is preaching this week, but two or three weeks. But in all those, Jesus basically says, don't tell anyone mm. who I am. Mm-hmm. And he's asking who I am, but then don't tell anyone. Why Why is it important for... I thought he wanted to know, and I'm being sarcastic as I asked this, but I thought, you know, he wanted people to know who he is. He wants us to tell him, but why does he not want anyone to know? Great, great question. And that is a great deeper dive question, Mark Presley. So in, in the reading of Mark and a lot of those in our church right now, actually reading through the book of Mark with us, been really encouraged by the number of people that are actually doing that with us right now. Uh, We see over and over and over again, someone realize, okay, God has healed me through this man, Jesus. And then Jesus says, don't tell anybody. Or uh, he's cast a demon out of my life. And he says, don't tell me. He'll even say, I've forgiven your sin. And then don't tell. Why? Uh, That word, and we use a big theological, whatever this welcoming you into seminary right now, uh, is what they call the messianic secret. Jesus was very clear that his time had not yet come. He he knew now he's turning to go towards the cross, but for some reason in God's sovereign design, uh, it was not yet time for Jesus to die. And so he knew the religious leaders were out to get him. He didn't want to give them more ammo to, to, to attack him with. And so he tells people early, don't tell anybody. That's not what he said when he went up in heaven. So we're not living under that right now. That was before he was crucified. He knew they were trying to get him. They didn't want he wanted to give him more ammo. After he died and rose again, he told his disciples, "Go now into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations." Right, and uh, so we want to make disciples. We want to be open about our faith. But there was a season then when it wasn't yet time for the cross. And why do you think he? Okay, we know why because we're after the fact. He used the word cross. They wouldn't have known symbolically or, you know, when he says, take up your cross and follow me. At the time, the disciples, why do you think he used cross there? Because, again, they wouldn't have known that he was going to die on a cross. We know after the fact. Right. Yeah, I I think, and uh, we talked about a little bit on Sunday relating it to the earthquake that we saw, a tragic earthquake. We we spent time on Sunday praying uh, for those that were involved in the earthquake. Um, It was their visual what they would see publicly for torture and death. It wasn't the, the pretty pendant that we wear around. And so Jesus points to, and maybe even as he's walking with the disciples, someone's getting crucified. We don't know. Uh, but he said, hey, if you want to come after me, you have to deny yourself. Soon after saying to you have your mindset on the things of man, not the things of God, you got to deny the things of man, get your mind off of those 
and you need to actually physically suffer and die to yourself and follow me in your life. And so I think he was pointing to the cross to give a visual, tangible picture of death and even in this life, temporary pain uh, that he realized he would have, he was going to call his disciples through as we follow him. Talk a little bit about that. And, and if you've been in church, you might know this, but if not, I mean, you just said crucifixion was something the Romans used a lot. Uh, and I'm putting some words there that you didn't quite say, but, but it was the form of torture. It was the form of that. Talk a little bit about what you mean by that. I mean, I heard, I'll just say, I heard a talk from Grant Taft once, one of the great Baylor coaches, and he walked through what that punishment truly meant. You know, Good Friday's coming up, the Good Friday experience. If you've walked through that, Mm -hmm. seeing the torture, the pain he went through. But Jesus was not the only one crucified. Mm Mm-hmm. It was happening because you said he might be walking by and seeing that yeah. in the moment. So talk a little bit about that, that they use that for torture. Yeah. And, and one of the questions, why do we have to take up our cross daily? And that, that there, as they're, they're observing daily, that shows up, I think, in Luke's account of this dialogue. Uh, what's going on here? Like, again, uh, criminals at the time of Christ were crucified by the Roman government. Uh, oftentimes they were zealots. Uh, people that were rebelling against the Roman rule. Uh, Jesus said, hey, if you're going to come after me, you're going to have to go through suffering and pain. And that's, I mean, just I, I, I can't imagine the amount of suffering in the cross. You mentioned Good Friday experience. That's coming, by the way, for those of you in our church family. Great, great way for you to invite someone into seeing what Jesus has done for us. But when I walk through that with my, my daughters and I look at what Jesus went through for me, I realize, oh my goodness, he loves us so much that he would go through this pain. And then Jesus tells those he loves, if you're going to follow me, you got to go through pain. And that just seems so not And why? You. I mean, why? Why do we have to go through that pain? So the world, Jesus says at one point, this is now another text, so I don't know if I'm actually digging deeper into what, what he says specific. Yeah, but still, we're yeah. just... Having a conversation. Yeah, Jesus said, hey, if the world rejected me and the world has, it's going to reject you, right? Uh, and so if we're going to follow Jesus, we're following the one who was ultimately rejected, the one who loved perfectly and was still killed. And so in the, what's offensive about the gospel, why will the world push back, is the gospel you have to believe you you need it. You have to, in order to need it, you need to realize you're a sinner. Like when I, in my story earlier, that when, when Jesus moved from being uh, for me, Abraham Lincoln to my Savior and Lord, I I was experiencing shame and guilt in my own heart and life, realizing I deserve punishment for my sin, and the world doesn't want that. Uh, the, that we 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 like to think we're good. Uh, so almost as if he's I'm going to put some words here, calling for a radical commitment, mm-hmm. a radical down a hard road. Yes, a radical commitment down a hard road. Mm-hmm. And what might he be calling you, me? people listening to for that radical commitment. It may not be to die, but it might be to follow him down. I think your words, temporary pain. Yeah. So, and I'm going to read another one of the questions because it relates to that. Mark, you're, you're just kind of guiding us into these questions. Here. I'm, I'm like a man in a riverboat. I don't know. I was <laughs> trying to come up with a phrase, nothing to do with anything there. But anyways. Yeah, but it's, even as we talk about this, the difficulty in what Jesus, or the pain it's hard for me, right? I'm emotional even as we talk about it on the podcast here. But what reasons did Jesus give for why people should follow him down this hard road? 
Again, what reasons did Jesus give for why people should follow him down this hard And I road? don't think just this passage. What reasons did he give? You can find them in this passage, though. Yeah, they are. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, if you're cool with it, I'm going to dive into this passage a little deeper. He, he does give several reasons, and we, 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 we glossed over them on Sunday, but I'm going to dive deeper into it right now. He says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. Whatever loses his life, what's here's the first reason? For my sake... What's the first reason? The love of Christ compels us. He is better. Uh, and we, we, when we realize what Jesus has done for us, we want to respond to him. And so when we realize what he did for us, we want to do for him, right? So the first and I think primary motive is the grace and love of Jesus for us. So we, we lose our life for his sake. And then he says, and for the gospel. What do you mean for the gospel? Well, I, the gospel is the good news of Jesus, right? There's a real king, a real kingdom. His name is Jesus, the Christ, Son of God, and is loved by grace. He lived a perfect life, died in our place, and he rose again. And so what do we do in response? We repent, believe, follow him. That's the gospel, and people get to be part of his kingdom. So we, we, we also are motivated to go through suffering so that those that we love can be exposed to the good news of what Jesus has extended to us for the sake of the gospel. We want the gospel to spread in our community and our family first, right? And then to our neighbors, the nations, the next generation. We want to bring the gospel. So the second reason in this text. And then the third reason that he gives in this text is he says there is a reward for it. He said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What can you get in exchange for your soul? And then he talks about the, it compares this generation and then the glory that's coming with his father and the holy angels. And there are a lot of different passages also that talk about this in more depth. We're going to see one in a few weeks. But there is eternal gain in front of us. And so that's the one we pointed out in our outline. And I think it was Jesus's main focus in this text as he compares the temporary to the eternal that there is a motive to go through pain even here and now to take up our own crosses because we realize as we follow Jesus, he will reward what actually he does through us. And we can they get to take that eternally and use it as worship in response to him. I'm going to transition us yeah. uh, real yeah. quick into so we, we can hit some questions directly from Multiply. Good. And one thing that has come in, brought to our attention, uh, is the giving journey. And it was a slide you put up uh, if you were there this week, last week, you put it up and kind of walking through, uh, there were five steps. Am I right? Six steps? Yes. Five. Five. I know because you had me try to find a ladder at one point, and I was looking for a five-step ladder. Right. We moved from the ladder to journey because we, we didn't did. want people to think this is how you step into heaven like that. Correct. The ladder, but yes. But uh, it's this journey. You're walking down a the path. There's, there's five kind of... Uh, milestones mm -hmm. along that journey. Kind of walk through those five and what it means as far as multiplying, where you are giving, and and yeah. all that. Yeah. So the way we connected it on Sunday, and I'll say it again right here: the the, the way we deny ourselves, take up a cross, and follow Jesus is not always financial giving. Uh, at times, it is right. In your own life, it can be different things. It could be just you. Uh, loving your wife sacrificially today it could be denying yourself, taking up your cross to follow him. One of the ways you say the day after Valentine's Day, that would be a, a good thing. Wow. As we yeah. record that. There yeah. we go. There you go. I love it. So, yes. Uh, so one of the ways and it's specific right now for us as a church. And again, we this sermon, we were walking through this series before we knew that this opportunity for us, we were going to talk to the church about at the same time. But they do line up. 
because anytime we're being called to give and even give above and beyond to, to give sacrificially, God is calling us through temporary pain as we sacrifice for a purpose, eternal gain. And so we had put on the, the screen those steps that some people will go through in their life. Sometimes you skip a step as you in your giving journey, but some will become initial givers, the first time gift to the church. Others will start giving consistently. Uh, through we believe in this process. Maybe they at one point in their past they gave, but they say, no, I'm going to give consistently. Others are going to intentionally set aside a percentage of their income. The Bible talks about tithes. Some will even do above and beyond the tithe to say, hey, I want, I want to intentionally, to, to this is going to be priority for me, first fruit, not just give consistently. I'm going to give intentionally. As, and when you say first fruit, like the yeah. first thing that comes out of your paycheck, yes. along those lines is yeah. what you're referring to. As we're reading through Proverbs, it actually talks about that in the book of Proverbs, setting aside the first fruits for the Lord. They're all His in the first place, right? So that intentional giving some, what we give to at like extravagant gifts, right? Paul talks about at one point in his uh, letter to the church in Corinth, he says that there's hilarious giving that will come out. There's a joy that's in that, but it's also a gift that people look at and like, what? Like, that's extravagant. And Jesus, uh, it doesn't mean a lot. It, it, mean, it may mean a lot compared to what you have, right? The the widow's might. Like, that. those gifts can look at in different ways, different amounts. But it's this above and beyond radical gift. And we're seeing story after story of this happening. We had, I shared with, uh, with uh, one of the services on Sunday, we had a unique situation happen in the first service. We're praising God that this lady's well, but we had emergency medically. But we had, we had a, a, a guest come by and was in our church a week ago, and they said, hey, we want to be part of Multiply. We live in Louisiana, but we want to be part of Multiply. We had another person who's online that, that's in Missouri and has never even been in our church physically and has been joining us online. And they said, hey, we believe in the Multiply Project. And they had sent a physical hard copy check, and they said, we're going to send one every week for the rest of the next two years. And these are above and beyond gifts to what they were already investing in the kingdom of God. And these, that we're... So this, and there's a joy in it. That's a hilarious giving. There's, a, there's this, it's not just I'm being intentional about giving. Uh, someone emailed me this last week as they're going through a discipleship process with their life groups. We've invited our life groups to talk about it at the same time. Why? Because the discipleship piece of it is most important. If, if we end this time, we don't have all the money to do the, the project, but we're more like Jesus, then it, we win. If we're not more like Jesus, we don't. And so we, we want to walk through the discipleship piece of it. But someone had emailed me as, this is, again, a, a crazy above and beyond hilarious thing to say, but they said they were talking in their life group about not just what is it that God would call me to give, but if it's all his in the first place, what does he really want me to keep, right? That shift in mentality. And then finally, a legacy, legacy part of the 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 giving. And, and there are, y'all, you know, some legacy givers who in their life, their goal in life has not been to accumulate here, but to accumulate for eternity. And they, they live a light, they change the world around them with the way that they give. And they, they're not trying to re earn for retirement, but for eternity. Okay, and let me ask, because you just said something, and, mm -hmm. and just that verbiage with mm -hmm. the extravagant mm -hmm. legacy, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter about that amount. So can someone that is not making a lot, bringing in a lot of income, how can they be a legacy giver? Dude, everyone, everyone can be a legacy giver to say, hey, I'm going to take my time, my talent, and my treasure, and I'm going to use my life, my time, my talent, my treasure to invest in eternity more than the temporary 
what right what's right here and what what's right now and yeah so there's different levels of what that looks like i i've told a story with one of our 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 gatherings where I had a friend uh, growing up at camp and not making a ton of money in his 20s. And he said one of his goals in life was to be able to invest a million dollars in the kingdom of God before he died. And I was like, dude, there's, you're not even going to make that much in your life. How do you? But, the, but to, to set that before him and the joy that I've seen in his life, just the, and y'all, if, when you're around givers, you see this. Like people that are just givers and they've learned the joy of giving are just, there's a different air about them. They're, they have a, a joy and a life about them. And so, yeah, but you don't need, I mean, he was working at camp, making very little money. I know because I was there at that point in time and we were, again, they were providing housing for us and we were working on the weekends and we had food there and whatever. But he had, he was, his goals were to leave a legacy here on, on earth for eternity. So that opens one of our questions is yep. how do I plan out what I give. I know our commitment Sunday's coming up yep. in a little bit. How Good. do I plan out what I'm giving? Good. So what are we been asking the church to do is to to pray and obey. Uh, we, we want you to have a personal encounter with God as it relates to your giving. Uh, we have many people in our church that are fasting up to Ash Wednesday. Uh, you, you can start right now. Like there's not there's not any rule in Scripture about here's how long you have to fast here. But but fasting has been true in my own life and so many others. I uh, say my own life is a bragging about it. It has not been something I feel like that I've done a great job exercising. But I have at times, and when I do, I hear from God more clearly. And so, what, how how do you again the question? How do I plan out what to give for my commitment? What we're, what we're inviting you to do is to, to ask God to help you plan it out, right? To, to talk to God, have a personal encounter with God as it relates to your giving and invite him, right, to set that plan for you, right? So to pray and then to obey him in response. Uh, we, we shared a story from a couple that, uh, in, in our, our, our church that had shared how they were a part of another church uh, that had gone through a similar conversation and and they had been encouraged to do it individually first, to talk to God first, even before each other, and then to come together. And they had shared how one, and uh, I'm saying this right now, and I remember I had gotten uh, a letter after I shared that story from someone in our church that said the same thing happened for them, where they came back together, and they, the way they had come to their number was different. One had a percentage, one had a round dollar, but when they figured it out, it was the same. And it was affirming for them that this is what God had led them to. So, yes, uh, if you're not fasting, we invite you to that, to have a personal encounter with God as it relates to your giving, ask Him what He would want, and obey Him in response. And if you're just now hearing about some of this, the we have all a lot of the questions you might have, frequently asked questions out there at firstmckinney.com slash multiply, explains kind of the project, that it's not just about a building. Oh, absolutely. And I'm going to let you talk about that in a minute, but it's mm -hmm. not just about building a youth building, mm -hmm. incre increasing some kind of space here on the campus yeah. uh, for some other things along that. It's much more than that. Yeah. Uh, walk yeah. through those three things that yeah. the project's about real so quick. So when you say a building, uh, we right now have a youth facility that is 50 years old and is literally rotting, and then we have a chiller that cools a good portion of our campus along with the duct work and everything that has a 15-year uh, life expectancy is 29 years old. And so it's way past due. And the church is given. We're not doing this because the church has not been generous. Like we, y'all have continued to fund our budget and missions above and beyond, and we're praising God for that. But we have a unique need with that. But the, the, the 
invitation right now for us is to help meet that need. But also as we meet that need, we're, we're wanting to invest more dollars in multiplying churches. Uh, we're using the word multiply because the project, we believe we're going to multiply students. I met one of them today at DBU. as at DBU, and he was sharing with me how he's in an internship right now at a church. He's going to graduate in May, and his goal is to go full-time in a ministry at a church. that we are not, They're not serving our church, but they're serving the kingdom. We want to send them out. So we want to multiply disciples through our youth, but also adult ministries. We want the people in our church to know that the goal is for them to know the joy of God working in and through them to lead others that will lead others. And, uh, and then to do that with churches as well. And so we're inviting people to pray over that, uh, to be part of multiplying relationships, churches, and this environment that enables that to happen for the next generation. And uh, so again, go to that, firstmckinney.com slash multiply. It'll talk about commitment if you're praying through that. Uh, and again, our goal, I think you said it well, it's not to raise money. It's to provide an avenue for discipleship yeah, uh, along those ways. So, uh, But that's there. Also more about the sermon. Um, looking forward to Justin is preaching next week. Yes, it'll be great. And, uh, I've, I've, I've had a sneak peek from him with our, our sermon application team. It's going to be great. And uh, I'll give you the final word, but before I do, again, if you've enjoyed this, be sure to like it. Share it. Do all those things we said. If you want to ask us a question related to Multiply coming up, maybe even after we get done with this little Multiply season, we're going to be looking at this project for a long time. So you're welcome to ask those questions. Uh, again, text the word question in 96123. Or even for Justin, we'll try to get him on the podcast next week. We'll see how that works after he preaches. Uh, but looking forward to so much ahead. FirstMcKinney.com slash multiply. Sam, last word from you. Yeah, follow Jesus. And we recognize that following Jesus will, will invite you into temporary pain. You're going to have to deny yourself to take up your cross. Follow Jesus is going to lead to eternal gain. Uh, don't, don't forfeit your soul to pursue things in this world. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Thank you for joining us this week on Q&A at Deeper Dive. We hope you'll like, subscribe, and share this podcast along with others. You can submit your questions by texting QUESTION to 96123, and we'll discuss those each week. Again, thank you for joining us.